we begin our again our Monday evening Theravada class and it's really when you when you come into the to the class and you sit in silence and uh, it's uh, I always recommend reflecting on what it, on the on just the the way you're feeling, you become you're not just trying to shut yourself up or stop everything all of a sudden, but you're aware of maybe the the, the physical feeling or the mood or things uh, what's going on in your mind, what you obsessed with thoughts or whatever, just to, to notice. Sometimes we approach meditation too much from an ideal or a, a kind of technique where we, we end up kind of trying to control the mind and uh, stop and annihilate, get rid of unwanted mental states or it can become an obsession. Uh, meditation can be just another thing we have to do. And uh, all of these, these worldly attitudes tend to affect what we're doing. And if we don't know that, then of course we, we, um, we turn in meditation into another, another uh, confirmation of wrong views and worldly attitudes. Where I see meditation not as something to, uh, to measure yourself as a person with, but an occasional opportunity to just be mindful and be at peace with yourself, whatever, whatever mood or state you happen to be in at this moment, not expecting you to be in any certain, to be any certain way, but to be learn to be one who is at peace with the way you are rather than someone who's trying to become something trying to attain and achieve a state that you think you'd like to have and the one you have now you've got to get rid of in order to do that and that that whole way of thinking is based on delusion the wrong wrong view I remember I used to, it's kind of when I started meditation in Thailand, all my kind of ambitious, uh, aggressive tendencies would, would start taking over, kind of, because of the way I'd lived my life, then this would affect definitely how I would approach meditation. So I began to just notice that just began to to let go of things and to accept even those even those kind of feelings those kind of tendencies not to make a problem not to make uh, make it complicated but just that attentiveness to the way it is the more you trust in that then the more you uh, the more, more quickly you will understand 
the Dhamma or the way out of suffering. Just notice what, what, how things affect your mind, what kind of work you do. If you just come from, from your work or from your home, the things that, that affect your mind, what the kind of, uh, how, say, uh, your particular job or profession, what it does to your mind. Not, is it not to criticize it, we're not here to blame or to think that, that there's something wrong with our profession if our mind isn't tranquil and pure and serene when we come here. But the, to notice that the, the busyness of life or having to, to talk to people, having to answer telephones, having to type or having to uh, travel across London in rush hour or maybe having, we're having to work with people that you don't like or difficult, uh, aggravating situations you have to put up with in your jobs. Just to notice, uh, to, not, not to criticize, not to blame, but just to, to accept these things. These things do have an effect on us. Recognize that the, this is um, the experience of consciousness and sensitivity. That's what being born as a human being amounts to, isn't it? You're born and you live a lifetime, you have to live a lifetime within as a conscious being and in a sensitive, very sensitive form. So what, what impinges on you, what comes to you, through the, through the objective world is, is going to affect you. It's just the way it is. There's nothing wrong with it. But then the ignorant human being takes it all personally. So we tend to make everything very personal, like somehow I shouldn't be affected by the things that impinge on me. I shouldn't feel, I shouldn't feel anger or aversion or greed or irritation or frustration, envy, jealousy, fear, anxiety. I shouldn't be feeling these things. If I were a normal healthy man I wouldn't have any of these problems. If I were a normal healthy man I wouldn't be sensitive at all. Like a, a rhinoceros just a tough hide that no, nothing could ever, ever, uh, nothing would ever get through. But recognize that being human is, is where these are extremely sensitive forms, human forms, male-female human forms. So then you realize there's nothing really wrong with you, it's just the way it is. Life is like this. We live in a society that is the, just the way it is. Living in London or in suburbia or 
villages or whatever. It's, it, we're, we're not. We can we can spend our time grumbling because it's it's not perfect, or there's many things that are irritating or not very nice about many aspects of our lives. But then, being sensitive is like this, isn't it? I mean, sensitivity means that that uh, we're, we're going to, whatever it is, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, pleasurable, painful, beautiful, ugly, we're going to feel it. And so, the way out of suffering is through mindfulness. Now this is the mindfulness. Me that that when you when you're truly mindful, there's no self. You're not you're not interpreting life's experiences from a personal assumption of being a person. Now just uh, on the level of of uh, thought, I mean, if you if you try to make yourself insensitive, say you close your eyes, you sit here. Put earplugs in your ears because you know, there's traffic out there, noises out in there. You could hear some noises in this building. So you, you close your eyes, put earplugs into your ears, um, try to, uh, and, and just try to, to, to be totally insensitive, shut everything out. And that's one one type of meditation, sensory deprivation. Where you can go into a dark room, soundless, where no sound can get into it, soundproof, dark room, perfect temperature, not too cold, not too hot, so you don't feel very much. Or you get into one of these sensory deprivation tanks, these kind of uh, tanks where you, you kind of float in, in saline solution that is perfectly, which is exactly the same temperature as your body. So you don't feel anything. You're just in a state of total, of no feeling. Nothing, a sensory deprivation. And if you stay that way for a while, you just feel very calm, because then nothing, say after you get over the initial restless anxieties and emotional reactions to, to that experience, then you'll experience a kind of a very blissful state of peace and serenity because nothing is demanded of you at that time. There's no kind of harsh or stimulating, exciting, aggravating, frustrating, uh, unpleasant impingement, sensory objects impinging on you. So you began to then rea realize that, say, if you're mindful, you Begin to you have an awareness of the purity of your mind, which is blissful. Your true nature then is blissful and serene, pure. But then, if you still have the wrong view about it, then you then you think I have to have a sensory deprivation experience all the time. I can't go to live in London anymore. Even the Buddhist society is too noisy. I've got to find some place, a cave, or some. I've got to get my own sensory deprivation tank and find the ideal situation, set up all the conditions where I can have, uh, keep everything at bay 
so I can just abide in the in the blissful serenity of the purity of the mind. But then you see that's coming from desire, isn't it? A self-view, wanting wanting to to have that experience because you remember it, liked it, and want it again. So, but as as Dhamma, we're we're not seeking, say, our our goal uh, of nibbana is not sensory deprivation, but understanding the truth of the way things are within the state we're in. They we're, we're, not, we're not trying, if, we, if, if our peace and serenity depends upon conditions being a certain way, then we get very attached. We become enslaved to, and we want to control, and then we become even more angry and upset if anything disrupts, gets in the way of our peace. Remember one time on a retreat, I, I got so attached to being peaceful that I heard this person, uh, some person was having trouble swallowing. So I was sitting there, and this person was going gulp, gulp, and making noise. They weren't very loud, but in a, in a, in a, when you're really attached to total silence, <laughs> even a gulp is, is, it can really upset you. <laughs> so I get to notice this irritation and kind of almost I mean really some of them get quite irritated and and um, wanting to throw that person out of the meditation <laughs> reflecting <laughs> reflecting on it realized that was a, a you know that that it was the fault was in me, not not in the in the person. If you're seeing the dhamma of the situation, then you're seeing that you you want life to be a certain way, and when anything goes in a direction or disrupts it or does something that it isn't particularly in line with what you want, then you get very angry. So you just become very selfish and narrow-minded. But mindfulness and understanding of Dhamma allow you to, to adapt and accept life, the total life experience, without having to control it, having to, to try to, to uh, hold on to bits and pieces that you like and, and then feel very threatened, anxious, when the possibilities of anything being disrupted or taken away from you occur. So the right meditation then really allows you to be very brave and adaptable, flexible with, with your life span and all that that implies, whatever happens. Because we don't have all that much control, do we? We can't, as much as we would like to be able to control our lives, we have recognized we really don't have that much. That some things just get out of our control and and things happen, and Mother Nature has her ways of letting us know that that uh, I mean, Mother Nature is not going to just follow our desires. And then uh, 
fashions and revolutions and changing conditions and population uh, problems and airplanes, televisions, technology, pollution. The whole thing is, is uh, we, how can we control it and, and make it and, and so that we, we are not being affected by any of it, are only affected in the ways we lie. But if we spend our lives trying to do that, then we just in increase the suffering. Even if we should get a measure of control over it and what we want, we're still going to be like the me with the person gulping in the meditation, or getting very angry when, when the neighbor uh, li turns on the, the radio too loud, or the <laughs> airplane flies low, or the fire engine goes by, or Now as you, one thing you, you recognize is you have a, a body, you have to live with your, your body for a lifetime. Because we were born into these forms and they'll last a certain number of years. And so the, these bodies are conscious and sensitive forms. And so the, the, this, is, this is just a, a way of, uh, for you to, to accept the way you are. Not saying it's good or bad, or that it should be any other way, but this is just the way it is. What being born means. Bodies, uh, they, they, they grow up, they, and then they, they start getting old. And then old age, uh, aging process, and they have, then they have sicknesses, diseases, this is a part of our human experience, and then death. We have to accept in a lifetime, don't we, the death and separation of loved ones. This happens to all of us. That we all have to, most of us will see our parents die. Or even our children, or our uh, spouse, or friends, loved ones. It's just a part of a human during this span within this form, uh, a part of all human experience is the experience of being separated from the loved. Just thinking like this, you begin to, uh, by, by knowing just this, 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 the way it is, then you find yourself quite capable of accepting life and not being uh, kind of depressed and and uh, bewildered and, and upset by the way life happens to be. Because once you understand it and you see it in the right way, then you're not going to create any wrong views about it. You're not going to add to it with fears and desires and bitterness and resentments and blame. Because we have the ability to accept life, the flow of life, and accept the way life happens to us as individual beings. We, we, can, we can bear anything that happens to us. 
we're pretty tough creatures, even though we're terribly sensitive. We're also real, really quite, we were very tough survivors in this, in this universe. <laughs> and I mean, you, you look at where human beings manage to live, like Eskimos up in the, in the Arctic, and in, in people in, in deserts and in the most uninviting places on this planet, there's usually human habitation. I mean, now the world wants to move toward the, the comfortable climates, isn't it? You don't want to go up and live in, in Alaska or the Arctic or Lapland. You'd rather go live in, in Greece or the islands uh, around the equator. Comfortable, warm, easy-going places. But when we when forced to, we can we can survive anywhere. In the Hebrides, in the Orkneys, Shetlands. <laughs> Understanding Dhamma then allows us also to to have a, a, a fearless attitude. We we begin to more and more realize that we can we can accept whatever happens. There's really nothing to be afraid of. That you that you can you can let go of life. Then you can you can flow with it because you're you're not expecting it. You're not trying to control, and then getting upset or fearing that once it gets out of control, it will be horrible. One has the. Uh, insight and the confidence, courage and trust that whatever way life happens to move and change, one, we can accept it, we can adapt, we can survive. Because we have the wisdom, the mindfulness, the ability to, to roll with the flow, rather than to be drowned overwhelmed by the by the flow, by the tidal waves of life. Now this, uh, uh, when you're just in, learn to take time to, to be silent, so to kind of listen to yourself. Attentiveness, mindfulness, this, this is the way Just using the the breathing of your body, or the just the natural rhythm, the feeling, the way your body feels now, the breathing of it, uh, just becoming, just putting your attention onto the body, because the body is a condition in nature. It's not. It's not really you. With vanity, then you, you you're not going to find peacefulness serenity and happiness with, with vanity. You look into a mirror and, and, and try to find peace and serenity by uh, admiring or criticizing how you look. I guarantee you'll not find one moment of calm and serenity. <laughs> because uh, vanity of the body is, is, a, is a kind of critical function, isn't it? But 
mindfulness of the body means that we're not criticizing it and we're not we're not assuming that it's ours even we're just recognizing that that it follow it has a natural rhythm the breathing we have is is a natural rhythm it's not my breathing anymore it's not personal it's not vanity thinking that breathing is is mine but breathing is 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 a one of is probably the most important physiological function we have if you stop breathing you it's the end of the <laughs> and you breathe even if you're crazy if you're insane you still breathe if you're sick you still breathe you're asleep you're still breathing the body breathes uh, uh, from birth to death it will be breathing so that breath is is something we we use as an object to to focus on to turn to because if we use if we think too much then we uh, our thoughts get get very convoluted and complicated but if we bring attention just to the ordinary breathing of your body at this moment at that moment, in mindfulness of the breath, you're actually not thinking, you're just with, you're attentive to a natural rhythm. Then you might start making problems about it. Oh, I can't concentrate on my breath, blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> and then, then it becomes me again, trying to be mindful of my breath. But actually, in, in any one moment where you're just with the breath, there's no self in that moment, but then you then yourself will arise when you start thinking. When you're not thinking, there's no self, and when you're mindful, then 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 the thought isn't coming from the wrong view that I am a, a self, but thought then is a is a way of reflection, a way of focusing attention on Dhamma rather than uh, creating problems about myself, vanity and criticism and, and worry and anxiety and greed and anger and resentments and bitterness. Now just contemplate, if you, if you, when you get angry you have to think, don't you? if you stop thinking you, the anger will go away. Uh, to be angry you have to think, he said that to me, how dare he, that dirty so-and-so. <laughs> but if you should stop thinking and just use the breath, eventually the kind of, the feeling, the, the feeling of the body that comes with anger will, will fade out and then there's no anger. So anger, say, is, is it has a very strong sense of self in it, isn't it? Aversion and anger. I don't like him, and he shouldn't be that way, and and uh, that is is fraught with the sense of me as a person, making a judgment, not wanting somebody to be the way they are, wanting to get even, take revenge, or put them down, or see that they get punished, or put in their proper place.
But when we just use the, the, when we reflect on Dhamma, then we say just the breathing of the body, the, 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 the mood of anger we turn to. If, if you feel angry, just, just reflect on what it feels like as a physical feeling. And with any mood, really contemplate, reflect on the mood that you're in. What it is is a kind of mood, a feeling that you have in the moment. Just with with not any attempt to analyze it or criticize it, but just merely reflect on it. It's like this. Sometimes, like confusion, people say, "I get very confused when I meditate. How can I get rid of confusion?" They. Wanting to get rid of confusion is the problem. Wanting, being confused and not wanting it is just creating confusion. So, what does confusion feel like if you feel confused, uncertain, insecure? It's these where I say anger is quite an obvious passion, isn't it? Or, or lust, something more kind of stimulating passions that we can have are, are quite obvious, but. What we tend to to not pay any attention to or dismiss are the are the rather are the more subtle states of slight confusion or hesitation or doubt, uncertainty, insecurity, anxiety. And of course, one side of us just wants to get rid of it. Let's just stomp it out. You know, how do I get rid of it? If I meditate, how can I get rid of my fears? anxiety. But with the right understanding, right attitude, then we, we instead of just getting up, seeing that, that very desire to get rid of is suffering. We can bear with the feeling of insecurity if we, if we know what it is. And it changes, it's impermanent. <coughs> 